Welcome to the NCEA podcast. I'm your host today, Colleen McCoy-Sika, and I'm the Director of Professional Learning for NCEA. I'm thrilled to be joined by two NCEA authors today. My guests are Dr. Michael Boyle and Crystal Brooks. Michael Boyle is Superintendent of Schools for the Diocese of Joliet in Illinois. He is the former director of the Andrew Greeley Center for Education at Loyola University Chicago and author of several articles and books focused on educating students with uh, learning differences and learning disabilities in Catholic schools. Crystal Brooks is a current practitioner in Arizona, consultant and professional development specialist as the owner of Inclusion Solutions. As an SLP, she has worked in therapy centers as well as public and Catholic elementary and high schools, always working to enhance the educational experience of children with high and low incidence disabilities. Mike, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Of course. You've been on before, haven't you? I don't think so. No? Oh my gosh, that's great. And Crystal, welcome to the podcast. (laughs) Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Good, good. Yeah, I'm happy to be having a conversation with both of you at the same time. I know, um, Crystal, this is your first time on the NCE podcast too. So, all right, let's, we'll just have some fun today. All right. So, um, Mike, going back a little ways, when, when I first met you, and I, I can't remember, it was like 2015-ish, I think. When I first met you, I know that your, your primary focus was helping Catholic schools include all learners. Um, as, as a university program director and a researcher, you were leading the charge uh, you know, all those years ago in this area. How did inclusion in Catholic schools become such an area of focus um, for you when you were, I know that you came from public schools. So how did you make that shift? Well, you know, it's funny. I, I never uh, aimed to, to work in Catholic schools. Um, I worked as a school psychologist. I worked in the public school setting. I worked uh, everything from high school to elementary school to uh, early childhood programs. Never really thought I was going to work in a Catholic school, although my wife is a Catholic school teacher. All five of her kids go to Catholic school. And I really, um, it, it was kind of one of those moments where uh, the, the principal of our local Catholic school, um, where my kids went to school, um, you know, was a, a, um, a sister and she was being called back to serve other schools. And so literally, um, uh, Father asked me, you know, would I consider applying? And um, after a lot of prayer, you know, kind of uh, thoughtful reflection, I, I decided I was going to do it. And I jumped from the public school um, to the Catholic school. Um, prior to that, I've worked um, as a school psychologist, really working with um, all areas of, of exceptionality. Uh, eventually became a, a department chair for a high school for special education and then um, ultimately a, a district a coordinator for special education. So it, it was, my kids don't think I can really hold a job. <laughs> <laughs> so like many people though, you ended up in a place where, where you were just called and, and that's really, that's what ministry is. So you are where you're supposed to be. Right, and as exactly. long as you have faith in that, you know, you, you're, you are right where you belong. And Crystal, um, you've worked in a variety of roles too, and I know that you—I I believe you started off in public schools as well. So you know, kind of, kind of the same thing. Right. You started off as a speech therapist. You worked in public schools. You worked for the Arizona Department of Education at one time, doing special education PD. 
What shifted your focus to moving the needle on inclusion in Catholic schools? Gosh, you know, it, it really was my experience in public education that led me to believe there has to be a better way <laughs> when we think about how students receive support when they have specific learning disabilities. Um, as a speech therapist in the public schools, caseloads were really high. Most of my time was spent conducting administrative duties such as writing evaluations, attending meetings, and I wasn't really able to do a lot of the fun stuff that I went to school for, which was providing the therapy directly to the students. So much paperwork. And all of that was really focused on compliance and the documentation requirements and the law. Um, and when I had that experience under my belt and then went to the Department of Education, a lot of our time was spent working with directors of special ed across the state. And over and over again, there was this sentiment of if they could just focus on what the kids needed and not having to worry about the documentation and the compliance requirements, they, you know, most, most of the directors knew inherently that when you serve children well, those requirements are met. You're, you have a team focused on what the students need. You have goals directed towards the skills they need to acquire. And everyone is very student-centered. But so much of the time from all members of the team, the school psychologist, the general education teacher, the special ed teacher, the administrators, a lot of their time is just focused on the administrative responsibilities. So it really made me pause to say, gosh, in private schools, specifically faith-based schools that are often driven by a mission to serve and to uh, ensure that children have what they need, and you don't have all of those regulatory administrative responsibilities, you can really just focus on the kids. And, um, and that to me was, it, I mean, it was like a, a golden light in the sky all of a sudden. I thought, I can just do what the kids need and do what I know is right. So that just felt really good. And it was from there, my time at um, the Department of Education, I got involved with um, the Diocese of Phoenix and through the work of the um, the Matthew 1914 project, I was able to provide some professional development and training to teachers who were identifying that they, these students are in their classroom. They, they know they have students with attention issues, with um, speech and language impairments, who have reading disabilities, and they just want to help. So I found such great joy in, in helping those teachers know what they needed to do that that just led me to say, you know what, it's just time to go right to the source and work in the Catholic schools. And I haven't turned back. It's It's been a joy, truly. And so, Crystal, that's when I met you, when you started coming into the Catholic schools to do, you know, do some professional development and then your involvement with Matthew, um, the Matthew Project. Uh, and again, like I, I want to go back, that was probably around... 2016, 2015, 16 as well. It, it's interesting, like the 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 work of um, the work of inclusion, the focus on inclusion. Uh, you know, throughout the course of my career, things really started building around that 2014 um, through 2016 time period, and that's what I met both of you. So um, you know, you're 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 kind of 
on the ground floor of, of like my people. And, you know, over the weekend, um, just this past weekend, all three of us were at a conference together too. And there was just a room filled with, you know, people like us, like-minded people who are there to support inclusive practices in Catholic education. It's a really good feeling to be surrounded by, um, by that group of people. Um, so that was a really great thing to um, be able to share with, with both of you. But you, but you know I, I, can I I just jump in here um, of so, so one of the things that 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 concerns me quite honestly is that I think sometimes we're a little late to the game um, in Catholic education we absolutely are late to the game Mike I agree yeah, yeah. I, I mean I look at my own sort of experience in the public schools I mean um, in Illinois when when a kind of inclusive approaches started coming out that was really sort of like the late 80s early 90s and mm -hmm. um, I worked in a school district in um, that we were one of the first ones, not the first, but one of the first uh, public school districts that started including um, students with intellectual disabilities in general classrooms and put all of their supports. And I was really fortunate and had a lot of really good kind of training at the very beginning. Ultimately, when I left and went to another um, district, when I was a special education um, district director, we started the first um, community preschool that was inclusive. Um, now again, you know, public schools got a lot of money to be able to do that kind of stuff, and that's where we're a little behind, I think, with the Catholic schools. We don't, obviously don't get sort of the federal funds for that, but, um, you know, it, it, this has been going on for a while, and, and I'm, I'm excited and ecstatic, really, to see that Catholic schools are, are embracing this, but I'm going to be honest with you, I wish we were embracing it more. Me too, and I, I actually reflecting on, on the conference that we were at together, my question, I mean, it's wonderful to be in the room all with, with all of those people, seriously, but yes. why weren't there more was my question, mm -hmm. right? Right. Yeah. So, so, you know, when, it, when I think, when I think about, you said like late eighties, early nineties yeah. and you know, I go back when I started teaching, um, you know, and that was like mid nineties, I, I started my teaching career in Indiana. So I was in the Archdiocese of Indianapolis, um, you know, in those mid-90s. And that's, you know, right around the time that, you know, Kathy Mears had started doing the road show around the Archdiocese of Indianapolis in the early 90s and helping those schools to build programs that were mostly focused on children with high incidence disabilities, but those programs have expanded over the years too. And so, um, you know, when I, when I then moved to different dioceses and saw that those same practices were not in place, I was really surprised about that. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I mean, we, we're still playing catch up here in Arizona too, I mean, for sure. Well, and I think too, I think another exciting piece about this is that, you know, we've seen some states really sort of, um, become the trailblazers in terms of being able to access other kinds of monies, you know, to be able to support inclusive practices in schools. I mean, I look at um, what's happening in the state of Ohio, which is really exciting that um, Catholic schools do have access to some public funds to be able to really promote special education, uh, inclusive approaches. Uh, we've seen some limited kinds of things like that in Florida and, and other states. So I think, you know, that, that certainly is, is a helpful piece to be able to move kind of inclusive practice um, and serving students with disabilities in Catholic schools, make, uh, move that forward. Let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, the efforts that uh, that we've all put behind, you know, trying to move this agenda forward. And Mike, let, let's start with you, you know, going back to your publication of Ensuring a Place at the Table, which was published through NCEA. And, um, and then, you know, Crystal and I followed up 
your book, um, you know, with it just kind of expanding on, on your ideas, you really laid the groundwork and then we put together, you know, a framework around your ideas. Let's, let's dig into these ideas a little bit. Let's start, let's start with you, Mike, of the areas of knowledge and skills and dispositions that you outlined in your book. Where have you found the greatest areas of strength in Catholic schools? Is it in knowledge? Is it in skills? Or is it in dispositions? You know, I, I think it's probably for me, as I view you know uh, various attempts across the country, I, I think um, we've done a pretty good job looking at knowledge and skills. And I think partly that is because many of our teachers have gone through um, teacher preparation programs um, in um, in universities that have really you know embedded that within their coursework, whether or not it's exceptional child or methods classes around that. We've done a really good job. The place that I would love to see us embrace even more um, is uh, around dispositions because sometimes um, people will excuse away inclusive approaches like, oh, that's better, it's better in the, Catholic, in, the, in the public schools. You should do that in the public schools. But you know what, if, if we really look at our own church documents, we're called to do this stuff. I think, um, you know, the, the one that, that I point to all the time really is the pastoral letter on persons with disabilities that was written in 1978. You know, that calls very specifically, the bishops called very specifically out and said elementary and secondary schools should take inclusive approaches. And they outlined the kinds of necessary conditions that would be important to be able to do that. But I think we still get stuck because I, I if, if I can, I think it's sometimes we take a public school mentality around this and we don't really embrace the faith aspect of this is that, you know, um, you know, I think by our, our baptism call, we all belong. So then let's find ways to make sure that everybody belongs in our in our Catholic schools. Crystal, yes. In doing in doing professional development and program development, where have you met with obstacles around these three areas: knowledge, skills, or dispositions? Yeah, that's a great question, and I you know I have to agree with Mike. I think in the area of dispositions, many faculty that we've spoken with in our experiences doing professional development, there's a group consensus that they they want all children to. To belong to be welcomed in their in their school community but they really don't know what it takes to get there so it's a little bit of um, sometimes it feels a little bit like lip service they because they still can't release some of those preconceived notions of well you know we are a rigorous school and we were grade levels ahead of the public school and they're just not going to be able to keep up um, or you know they, they they're a high school they're looking at where their graduates are going to and, and they like to have that prestigious feel of a private school while only kind of keeping the word Catholic in the background, right? So um, so I do think overcoming those preconceived notions of what is truly a Catholic faith-based education and what does that mean not only for the grades that the students earn but the community and how they're represented and and ensuring that it's not just about getting students onto the next grade or into the best university. It's about preparing them for life, walking the path of, of Jesus Christ and, and knowing that they can look to their left or look to their right and say, we all belong here. So um, that disposition piece is certainly key. 
And, and I think some of the other obstacles inherent that we've found just in our experiences working with schools is that um, teachers don't often know enough about what the impact is in the classroom if a student has attention deficit or executive function challenges or if, if they're showing signs early on of dyslexia. There's this feeling of, well, I was never trained how to do that, or, you know, my degree isn't in special ed, it's just in general education. So letting teachers know that they can acquire those tools necessary to meet the needs of those kids, and there's multiple things that can be included in their day-to-day -day practice that bring about meaningful academic change for students. And that takes time to really observe and experience and see the results of. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that, Crystal. You know, it, and it, it, it's interesting that we, it is hard to say that it, it does, it does sometimes seem like lip service, but I, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to move to the defense of a teacher for, for just a second and say that I think that teachers want so badly to do right by every single child that sometimes if they feel um, ill-equipped or unprepared to be able to serve a child adequately uh, that you know the default is to say you know I, I just don't think I can teach that that student but um, you know it, so let, let's flip that and say but we can teach knowledge and we can teach skills. And so if you have the right disposition and you believe in the inherent dignity of every child and that every child was brought to you with amazing gifts that, that you're there to be a steward of that child's gifts in the world, then we'll teach you the knowledge and skills, right? You can learn those things. Absolutely. So you know, there are a couple of ways to look at that, right? Absolutely. Well, and I think that's a real important point for instructional leaders to think about, right? So if, if we're used to doing professional development activities around knowledge and skills, which probably looks around like a lot of, of the, the kind of professional development for you know, students that are, are exceptional, the third piece is really the dispositional piece, the faith-based piece, and really understanding what our church says and how we view um, disability, looking at some of the resources. Um, I, I think immediately of another resource from NCEA in, in the book catalog from Doreen Engel. Um, of course, mm -hmm. I can't remember the name, but um, it's, it, it really has, um, it explores the faith piece and can be a nice resource in combination with your book um, around, you know, around those pieces. So really combining the knowledge, skills, and dispositions and really exploring the faith-based piece about, um, you know, um, we're all unique and unrepeatable. And, um, and so let's embrace that and, and really think about what that means in terms of, of our faith perspective. And then once we understand that, then we can really engage all of our knowledge and our skills to really support kids with disabilities. Yeah. Yep, that's right. And Doreen's book is Be Open, A Guide to Purple Reflection on Inclusion. <laughs> Good, thank you. Perfect. Yeah, yeah, yep, and that's an NCEA book too. So, okay, so as a follow-up to Mike's book, Ensuring a Place at the Table, you know, Crystal, you and I, you know, ran with, with 
the knowledge, the skills, the dispositions, and how can we, you know, Mike provides, this is why. These are, you know, all the reasons why inclusion is part of Catholic mission. And so, you know, you and I set out to put some structure around it and provide a framework um, to help schools understand how they can do it because every school absolutely, you know, can, can and should be doing this. So our book, Setting the Table, um, a guide for diversified learner program development in Catholic schools then came out um, 2019, and um, you know, a, just a, and it's a short book. I mean, but there are some things in there that are just that are structural ways to prepare for to prepare your community, to prepare your school, to think about the resources that you need, to think about personnel that you need. How are things going to look differently when you're developing an inclusive mindset to programs or physical layout? What what needs to change about the way you do things? So um, just to, and then of course, Doreen's book, and there are a number of NCEA books that are really, um, you know, meant to, to help. It, it, there's, there really isn't a shortage of resources, mm-hmm. that, you know, if people are looking for them. So it makes um, me think okay. of something. Oh, sorry to uh, interrupt no, you there. Go ahead. But it makes me think of something Mike said over the weekend, where you need you, we just have to stop talking about it and just do it. <laughs> like, can we can we just do it now, please? <laughs> well, and I think that's what I like about your resources because it's very practical. It you can pick it up and it's got things and actionable items, you know. So it's not a theoretical piece, but it's like, okay, here's what you do. I think it was a, a really good follow-up, you know, to, um, you know, the, the, the initial piece that I did, but but because I, I, it's very practical, and I think that um, teachers and instructional leaders can pick it up and really implement it within their schools to help move, you know, in, in this direction. Yep, that's the idea. That's the idea. So let's, where do we see, let, let's, uh, you know, talk about some, some positive things here. Where do we see momentum building around Catholic schools and students with disabilities? I, I know that we're not as far along as we need to be, but um, do we see momentum building in particular areas? And Crystal, I'm going to start with you on this one. I think we do see momentum building, you know, um, kind of recovering from the COVID pandemic there's a greater recognition in our Catholic schools now that supporting students is more important than ever. And we go back to just really good, solid teaching skills that are evidence-based, that have been um, able to provide meaningful data, guide your instruction and your assessment to identify where students are struggling and then determine some interventions and supports that are most beneficial for their growth. and because this pandemic was so wide reaching and the um, Catholic schools, just as every other public school, they were very affected, whether it was through enrollment or going up in many of the cases here in Arizona or enrollment, um, unfortunately going down, the students who are there in the classrooms need a little bit more help than they had in the past because of missed opportunities to learn skills that should have been acquired, um, but because of online learning or hybrid learning or just the state of the world during that time, um, we're looking at an opportunity to go back to basics and and understand how to teach in a real meaningful way to target struggling learners and give them the supports they need. And we know that that helps students who learn differently, who have um, exceptionalities. It helps everybody in the classroom. Um, so there's more recognition of that, and I think that is a positive momentum for the meaningful changes we want to make 
where again, we're, we're here to serve, we're here to meet the needs of all the students in our classroom. And it starts with some really good, solid instructional practices. And Mike, I'm, you've always got something inspirational to say. Um, that's for sure. I, I learn from you every single time I, I hear you speak. So um, we're, we're gonna give you the opportunity. What kinds of, um, what kind of practical advice do you have about removing obstacles? How and which obstacles need to be removed and how do you think we can do that most effectively? Yeah, I, I think, you know, it, after being, being around this for a while, um, one of the things that, that I, I think we just need to work on is mindset. Um, and, and really, for want of a better term, looking at, at really a growth mindset um, and, and, and stop, I, I'm going to say, you know, sort of um, implicit ableist behavior. Sometimes we get stuck with, oh, it's a student with a disability. We all of a sudden set lower expectations or think that they can't. I think, why don't we just embrace it? Here it is. This is, a, a, you know, a child of God. So let's find their mm -hmm. potential and let's move them. Um, and, and I get really excited, I think, about, about the, the opportunities when we just take the ceiling off and just let them shoot for the stars. Um, <laughs> and I think we just, we get stuck sometimes in this, like, <laughs> um, we're worried about accountability. Now, I, I know I said that, and I'm always about accountability, but I think sometimes we can get kind of hamstrung by accountability, by we think, oh my gosh, they're not gonna be ready for the next grade. They're not gonna be ready for high school. They're not gonna be ready for college. Guess what? They will be. Um, if we can just kind of keep working and, and, and really believe that they, they can make it. So I think um, right. if we can just start, you know, just uh, uh, allowing ourselves to believe that we are the right place because they are loved, um, they are, are you know, seen as children of God, and we're going to let them reach that potential, and we're going to ask for the grace of God to help us. So all of that being said, I, you know, I, I do want to do a shout out because both Mike and Crystal, well, Mike is actually, this is his brainchild, we're going to be hosting, NCEA is going to be hosting um, a workshop a regional workshop on exceptional learners in the Diocese of Joliet this summer, June 15th and 16th. And we're, we have a, a stellar lineup of speakers at this regional workshop. So, you know, if that's something that sounds interesting, uh, if you're listening right now, Crystal will be there. Mike, of course, is going to be our host. But Michelle Leah and Janet Bozeman, who are also NCEA authors and have their own areas of specialization, they will be teaching... Um, giving professional learning sessions at uh, at that event. So um, June 15th and 16th, Diocese of Joliet, Regional Exceptional Learner Workshop given by NCEA. I can't wait. And um, Mike and Crystal, I want to thank you both for joining me on the podcast today. Um, this has been a great conversation. Thank you. Thank you very much. Absolutely, anytime. So thanks to our listeners and thanks to my guests. Have a great day from the NCEA podcast. Thank you.